0: Welcome back to Your 1230, the only podcast where our guests tell their story with the help of 12 questions in just 30 minutes. I'm your host, Mike Salitro, and tonight we are really excited to be joined by Charis Santilli. Charis is a life balance and transition coach and host of the Charis Your Life podcast. She's also a speaker, certified fearless living coach, certified fearless living trainer, and positive intelligence trainer and has been an entrepreneur for over 20 years. Charis helps high achievers go from busy to balanced and beyond. Charis believes that you can live the life you really want without the nagging guilt, fear of judgment, or sacrificing your health and sense of purpose. Charis, welcome. We are really excited to be speaking with you.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me, Mike.
0: Of course, of course. And uh, we talked a little bit beforehand that I am going to get in my head and mispronounce your first name, maybe your last name at some point. So please feel free to correct me at any point. Um, But what jumps out at me in the bio is the uh, certified followed by fearless. I don't really see that in print very often. So what does it mean to actually be fearless and then certified fearless?
1: Thanks. Yeah, this is a great one. Um, So my training is from uh, the Fearless Living Institute and it was founded by a woman named Rhonda Britton. And she was one of the first, like, literally like the first 10 coaches in the world. Um, When you look back at the roots of very true traditional, quote unquote, life coaching, because the word coach has taken on. So I'm going to just kind of preface with this, and then I'll get back to the fearless. But the word coach has kind of it's being used for a lot of different things over now. A lot of consultants use it. Like it's kind of synonymous with certain types of consulting and it means certain things. And at one point, you know, it was just sports. And then another time personal life coaching came to be, and then later on some consultants started using it. So she was really foundation in in the, the, the core foundation of what true life coaching was and is. And she developed what's referred to as fearless living out of a absolute dire need to save her own life, essentially due to her own backstory and everything that had happened in her life that she needed to overcome. And, um, for her, there was a lot of trauma that led to her realizing that she needed to figure out a way. Cause she was apparently stuck here her, her, um, actions to try to resolve the situation of her life at one point included a couple suicide attempts. And then she was left with literally, like, okay, uh, I'm still here now. What do I do? So, without going into all of that backstory for her, I just a couple high points there to understand that she was in a place where she really needed to understand what was holding her back and how to overcome it. And when she really started, she started with some very simple exercises that would help her over time. She studied all sorts of personal development, had been since she was a teenager actually. But what when she really started putting it together, she realized it was all around how our brains and bodies react and manage and try to deal with fear. And so the foundation underneath everything she came to create was based in neuroscience. She became very much a, uh, you know, a, a brain geek, really getting into that. And um, the other modality you mentioned, positive intelligence, also has foundations in neuroscience, too. So when we talk about fear, we're literally talking about what's happening with a part of our brain that is trying to keep us safe and in doing so it is sadly (laughs) unfortunate for us not evolved with us really over the time and it's still stuck back like when i say that what i mean is this part of our brain literally doesn't know the difference between a text or an email that needs to be sent that makes us uncomfortable and or that we receive and feels quote-unquote scary i'm gonna label it you know that could come from someone where we're just not ready to see what they have to say and it's triggering. It doesn't know the difference between that sometimes and like a bear chasing us, you know, from hundreds of years ago. And that is just the way it is. This part of our brain literally hasn't evolved. So when we're talking about fear, we're literally talking about this, what is trying to keep us safe and comfortable, not comfortable, like, Ooh, I like my life comfortable, but like the comfort zone that people talk about and why we keep living in it. Like why do you keep doing the thing that you don't want to be doing, but you keep doing it anyway. It's because you're fighting against part of your brain, keeping you in doing everything that you're doing right now, because well, Mike's still alive. Cheris is still alive. Everything about their life right now seems to be working because they're still functioning. So can't we just keep them doing everything the same? So when we talk about fearless, it's not about some people jump and say, well, you know, you can't just get rid of fear. And we would absolutely in fearless living agree with that. I agree. You cannot get rid of fear. We're not trying to get rid of fear, but we're trying to learn. And what you can learn is how to master it, how to manage it, how to work with it, how to know when it's knocking at your door and when it's getting in your way and when it's ruling your life. And so having it be less- about fear in the way that you live is the way I would summarize it.
0: That's a, that's a great explanation. And I, I love the kind of the, uh, the the brain backstory where our brain has yet to evolve to identify or just make a distinction between this email is making me nervous and uh, my house is on fire. I don't know what to do next. So if there's if there, if there really isn't a distinction there. Once you, you're aware of it, as you state, what's the next thing that we can do to overcome the, the small, you know, the fear, the lowercase F, the ones that we really shouldn't be uh, as stressed out about, what can we do next? Or how can we start to to get past
1: that? So that's where um, the very first thing is awareness. So what you just said, once you become aware, so I want to like put a little pin in that. That's a very important sentence that you just said. You have to actually be aware of these moments and then like open your eyes to them and become more aware when they happen and so that's number one. And if you do any read or listen to, or any kind of personal development, that's a very common theme in the personal development world. Awareness is like the first thing to, that you've got to have some part of, you have to be, have some awareness before you can make any change. And then the next step is some willingness to do something different to start. Change the patterned behavior, and the way I like to describe it is, um, I like to picture it when you think about the brain too. So it's like we've got this super highway that we've when we think about the neural pathways, the way like the the way that we're used to functioning and doing. So super highway, like eight or sixteen lanes, like it's just like it is established, it is zooming, and this is everything about the way our life is right now, and we can get on there and just go. So when we want to get off that highway and we want to create a new way of being or some way of thinking or change a belief or change an action, it's like we're starting kind of like from scratch. Um, Some people will describe it like you start with a goat trail or a deer trail, like your cart, you know, like you're making a new path like that. Uh, I had a visual recently that I used in a webinar. I showed us a picture of... um, like a a jungle entry and and stormy clouds because the scene that comes to mind for me, if anybody's my age-ish will remember this. The movie, The Romancing the Stone with Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner. And so when he, his character's Jack and they're in a jungle and it is storming and their only way out is through and he's taken his machete and he's like, hacking away at the big, because there's no path. It's like, well, let's just pick a way to go and try to carve our way through, but it takes a lot of effort. There's the storm. Like you could easily just be like, I just want to sit down. I don't want to do anything, but you have no option if you want to create this new path. So sometimes it feels that challenging. Sometimes it feels that daunting. It feels like. That scene is what comes to mind for me that I used recently and people seem to resonate with it. So, you know, but it's so much easier to go back on the superhighway. Well, it's just right here. Do I really have to go to much this much effort? It's not always a lot of effort, but it is practice. So some things it will be feel it will feel like you're carving through the jungle and making your way and some things it may not feel that hard but no matter what i'll tell you it does take practice there's simple skills simple things that you can learn to do but the first thing is awareness the second thing is some sense of willingness and then the third i would say is practice of of some simple things but practice going the new way thinking the new thought um doing the new thing calming your your brain from that pattern um there's some simple i could even give an example here in a minute too of, of a simple exercise of how to kind of center yourself and try to dial that down a little bit
0: that's that's such a good answer for a couple reasons i want to highlight in kind of my notes here that you paint a very vivid picture about michael douglas getting through the jungle and, and with many obstacles and how difficult that can be and that is. Even though we're talking about something that might not be physically strenuous, you can be physically tired once you start doing these things because you are uh, putting your body through something that it's not accustomed to or may not have done before. So it's another, another thing to be aware of that. Why do I feel tired when I'm, when I'm trying something? Because you are really that visual is perfect. Uh, and the other thing is you described starting with awareness it reminded me of when I, I learned about change management for the first time that that's the first piece that you can talk about do you want to do this do you have uh, the knowledge to do it do you have the ability or whatever but if you're not aware or because i remember like oh yeah you need to, you can do all those other things but if you don't know what's actually happening it doesn't doesn't matter so uh, i'm glad you emphasized that to start the other part of your bio that i definitely wanted to hit on that jumped out at me when i read it over the weekend um the not being struck with nagging guilt. What do you find that most people feel guilty about or what's holding them back from from where they want to go? Have you found or how did that make your bio, I guess?
1: So a couple things. Um, things. First of all, people in my world um, are, are very busy, tend to be um, tending on the workaholic side of things. And uh, so the guilt can come with... Uh, feeling guilty because they're working when they and thinking about their family, but they need to get the work done, or feeling guilty that they're uh, with their family, but they want to get be working and they're thinking about the work, and then feeling guilty that they want some time to themselves. And, you know, how dare they expect to think that they have a right to that? Like it can kind of that's where the nagging comes. At. It kind of like almost follows them around, is it seems to be common. Um, and so that is what I've found to be the case. And I've experienced that in my own life. And, you know, at some point, if you want me to share a brief summary of my backstory, but definitely some guilt around those things. I mean, that's how it showed up for me. And that's what I see in my clients, too.
0: Okay. And, and as as you reference your clients, when you, when you are bringing them a kind of a fearless approach and one that would be the the example you give is a great one to identify things that we may feel guilty about whether it's we're working too much and we're thinking about working with our kids or we are not with our kids because we're at work Um, how have you how have you communicated to uh, your clients or people that you like to work with that this might be something that is keeping them from where they want to ultimately go when they might feel, hey, I'm working as hard as I can. I, I don't have capacity to do anything else. H- how can I how can I make time or how how can I make this a priority when I can barely balance what I have currently?
1: Well, what I have found I what I've seen to be the case is that when people think about the concept of life balance, we have a perception of it being this um this fantasy or illusion of like this perfect equation that, well, if I work out this many days a week and I stop work at this time, and then if I do this and I get up at this time and da, 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 and I tried that myself for many years and, you know, I could never quite get it dialed in because it's not possible basically is the truth. So, um, cause we're trying to make something perfect and we are not perfect. Life is not perfect. And so we're just continuing to chase, chase things so what I have come to believe and see is that life balance is not about managing your time. It's actually about managing how you feel. So I tell people some of your, how you spend your time may or may not change with whether they're in my online program or doing one-on-one coaching or however they're working with me, your life may look the same later yet. You're going to feel better in it more often. Or some of your life may actually change. I don't know. Like it's all up to you. You get to figure that out because it's personal. And oh, by the way, what feels like balance to me today is different than me tomorrow than me yesterday. And what feels like balance to me today is different than you, Mike, or anybody else because we are totally different. And so if we can give ourselves that space, And permission, that's another big key step.
0: I'm glad you walked us through that because that reminds me when we initially talked that it was when we talked balance that really, I was like, she definitely knows what she's talking about because uh, a lot of times you'll hear, you know, balance is you need to spend X amount of time here, plan this, and it's The subjective way that you describe it is much more realistic. It's more practical and it's going to work for more people because you, even if, even if you have too many things on your agenda and you're not getting to all the things that you'd like to, you have more control over what you're accomplishing because you, you uh, the architect of that balance, and it's not a, a straight equation. That it is going to look different at different times, and that's okay. Kind of being okay with the uh, the inconsistency of it. So I, I completely agree. As you as you walk through that, um, you, you also referenced your backstory, which we, we did talk a little bit about. Um, I th- think it's a powerful one. Um, how how did did kind of your your experiences? shape what you do? And ultimately, how have you been able to turn that into helping others uh, achieve where they want to go, or at least visualize what's next for them?
1: Yeah, I'll I'll give this the short version here. basically what i grew up in an entrepreneurial household my parents were go-getters and and totally went after their the american dream and built a business that started in our kitchen so i modeled after them and i went for all the big you know the awards and the accolades and the grades that i could in high school and saw okay this is the work ethic go for it do all these things awesome fine well went off to college came home and to celebrate my dad's 50th birthday it was a summer i was turning 19 and Uh, We went for a hot air balloon ride and it was a beautiful ride, yet something went terribly wrong when we came into land and we had a crash landing. My father broke his neck and was paralyzed. My, although he was the one physically paralyzed, my mom and I, I would summarize by saying we became emotionally paralyzed and we had different coping mechanisms for that. So my mom turned to alcohol. And eventually, that and she that ended up taking her life. Um, her liver finally gave out a few after a few decades of that. For me, I amped up the ambition and the busyness because even the first night at the hospital, once the shock kind of wore, and then I was looking around like, "What am I? What? What?" I was craving some kind of control, and so. What felt the best for me was I'm going to get busy and start making phone calls. I'm going to get busy. And, and then that literally trained and became my super highway of a way of being of I'm going to just do, 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 be busy, be busy, work a lot, work a lot, and kind of bury some of my emotions. Now, it's not to say that I didn't have some enjoyment over those next couple decades and You know, have some happiness in my life and whatnot. But if you look at it, it was very much unbalanced. It was very much, very heavy in work. And it eventually took a toll on me emotionally and physically. So, fast forward about a decade ago is when I met my coach that I mentioned briefly at the beginning, founder of Fearless Living. And um, that was preempted by a, a conversation at a business networking event. I'm out on a foyer visiting with a stranger as you do in these networking events when you go and you're at a convention and you don't know people and you start chatting. And I suddenly tell him my family story. It had been almost 20 years at that point. And the tone and everything, it it did feel different than normal. And he looked at me at one point and said, basically, Charis, I, I get that your dad's been paralyzed for almost 20 years, but why are you paralyzed? That was the moment that I had the awareness that I now already summarized of being emotionally paralyzed. I was like, oh my gosh, something's, whoa, what's going on inside me? The next day I happened to meet this coach. And then I started working with her, doing my own work as a coaching client. And that over time became, you know, something that I wanted to do to help others. So now that's what I'm doing, helping others to overcome their own challenges and their own, you know, make some changes in their life ultimately i just i really believe we all deserve to feel better more of our days and it is not impossible it's not hard to do that necessarily it just takes some support some new skills and some new tools and anything is possible to overcome regardless of whether you've had the normal little t traumas or or something some big event that happened
0: that story right there first of all thank you for sharing that i know it can never be easy telling that story um but we end with the capital t and, and lower t traumas it it kind of especially the story there fills in the, the gap for me uh it kind of lit a light bulb in my mind as you said it. The craving control during whatever those traumas are that i want this to be over i want to feel even if you have none to feel like i'm in charge here i know what to do and that uh, distraction of being busy, or what can I do to either keep my mind off of this, or to have that that fake sense of control? So it goes back to that balance piece that I, I'm doing something. I I must be making a positive stride because I'm 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 preoccupied from what's actually happening, or I'm I am in control of something, even though, even if it's uh, completely irrelevant. I'm I'm going right. to do it, and it feels great. Um, so that just as you kind of all came together. So thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned the ability to kind of help others, and I, as you walk through it, I thought of that. With these difficult situations or these trying times, it can be again kind of physically taxing, difficult work. How do, how are you able to either put a positive spin on it, feel feel good doing it, or or not to be always at, when you when you're working with clients that it's man, this is always so hard. This is this is difficult. And I, I don't have the uh, the ability to kind of put a smile on it or to have control in a situation. How are you able to kind of help yourself and help your client move forward positively?
1: Well, um, so I, I have some, I'm really grateful for the coaching training that I have because we learned how to, like, I don't show up feeling like I need to be a cheerleader. That's not what they're hiring for me for. I show up and bring all what I can of my skills to the table. Be as present as I possibly can, and I'm there to see what the, where they're at today. And then I dive in with a couple of questions, and we go from there. And I we see where we go. And so it's you know if you really want if somebody's looking for a cheerleader. A true coach is like, this is not going to give them that because I'm sometimes going to bring up some challenging questions and, um, possibly shed some light in some areas that you may want, not want to be looking, um, at the same time, uh, there can be these wonderful breakthrough moments and these ahas. And I had one of those recently with someone, um, just last week. So it, it can be all over the map for me. To handle, I I definitely pick up on people's energy, and um, it can be draining on some days. It depends. So, what I've done is I've learned how what my capacity is right now, for instance, of how many calls in a day that can be client calls, how many in a week how many days in a row before I need a break day. Like that's part of my balance. And I've been shifting around and I continue to play with it. And it, it kind of goes in seasons and changes with me too. So I'm not, a, and, and how much buffer do I need in between calls? All of these things. But those are all examples of like how I can take care of myself and listen to my own needs to, that anybody can do. In their own life too. And I don't mean necessarily around calls and things, but we're talking, we're touching a little bit on boundaries here, um, a little bit on what my needs are, getting my own needs met. I'm responsible for how I do that. And that I'm in control of my own calendar. You know, if I need to go take a nap and I have the window to do it, I'll do it. I took one this afternoon, actually, because I knew I had this later call with you. So it's, I basically... I practice what I preach. I'm doing the work with everybody else. I am just at least a few steps ahead, maybe a few years ahead, however you want to look at it, than my clients typically. But I'm still doing the work and I still have my days and I'm still, but I'm practicing everything that I preach.
0: We have such a similar perspective on how we view things and it's, it's why we kind of connect the way we did. You know, I, I wrote down as you said it: the, the ability to continue testing, to understand where our boundaries are, to know that that might be today, but next season it might change, or this is working really well. How can I fine tune it? Or wow, that did not work out well. I, I need to to make some wholesale changes here. And then the first thing where you started there, because um, I feel the same way. Even when it's difficult or when it's challenging, um, being present, knowing that what I'm doing here for someone else for a team is is really worthwhile and having uh, a big impact for somebody else. That being present, being I want to be here, I, I'm showing up, uh, that has tremendous value. And that can kind of uh, buoy you through a difficult situation, difficult conversation. So that made it made a ton of sense to me and kind of um, is in line with a lot of what we talked about. And as I looked up, we already, already somehow, uh, we are at time or nearing it. Um, we talked a lot about what your your day to day how you are helping others and how it can be difficult work um, at times uh at least serious work is there something that you do to recharge to the nap today sounds fantastic you also you're not sure that uh, as well but um what what do you do to kind of mentally recharge or to to relax or to take a break from uh from these serious topics uh
1: for me sound is a big thing and when i say that it's um I'm looking off to the side here because I can see my outside there's trees and bird feeders and, and I have my door cracked open so I can hear the birds. So provided the weather allows that, which usually does some Northern California, I will have, be listening to the birds and I might go yesterday. I sat out in a hammock and, and listened to them for a while, but in my normal work day, I'll often have that at, on in the background and I'll sit and watch or I'll listen for a bit. That is really comforting. Um, cup of tea, I'm holding up here. Tea is a big one for me. And then at the end of the day, if I've had a very, uh, if I feel spent, um, what I tend to need is alone time. So, you know, and so I just will need some kind of time to kind of recharge before I'm really able to be present with my husband and whatnot. So I I plan around that too, if I've got a lot of calls that day and I just see it. I mean, many of my clients and many of these conversations actually kind of charge me up. And yet I'll be honest, you know, if I have multiple in a day at the end of the day, like I'm not exactly thrilled about a lot of chit chat or when I'm maybe challenged to be fully present for him. So I need to have some recharge time and I will just claim that and explain that's what I need for that day. And then I just watch my schedule so that like on his days off I I don't have a big packed day like that so I'm not going to be drained. So it's a it's that juggle and experimentation.
0: That makes sense. That makes sense. We have covered a good amount of ground. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that I probably should have?
1: Um I'm happy to share how people can reach me or if they want some support what where to go, what to do.
0: That was my last question, but yes, where where can our listeners uh find out more or connect with you if they'd like to?
1: Great, uh, so my uh, you did great with my name, so kudos to you and for you. anybody else. Um, pronouncing it and spelling it is that the trick is to think of the city Paris but with a ch Cheris. and so my website is charisyourlife.com, and um. If you want to get a little taste of my coaching, I have a couple exercises inside of a free video training. You'll also, uh, there's right now inside of that is an exclusive opportunity to join my program. If you're at all interested, that's called Busy to Balanced. And so this training uh, video is, is called how to live life on your own terms and timeline. And you can go check that out, a free training to check me out is at CharisYourLife.com forward slash video. I've also got a podcast myself called cherish your life and, uh, personal development focused, um, a lot of short solo episodes, occasionally some, um, interviews. And, uh, I also do private coaching.
0: Very nice. We will post links to all of that in the show notes. I am always impressed by anybody who can do a solo podcast episode. I don't think I'd make it 10 minutes. So check that out. everybody. Uh, Charis, thank you so much. This has been a blast. Uh, I look forward to doing it again, but thank you for joining us.
1: Thanks, Mike.